sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Welcome to Hour 2 of Cover It here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. I'm Ted Zaransky, a.k.a. Teddy Covers. And this hour, I'm going to bring in Ralph Michaels. And Ralph Michaels is the king of the database, a man who literally tracks every result of every game, I believe, in every sport. I mean, it's ridiculous what that database looks like. And then goes through it to find winning angles that work, not team-specific, not coach-specific, but situation-specific, the type of angles that work for extended periods of time. Ralph's going to break down college hoops, and we're going to go deep, taking a look at who we can bet on now, who's good long shots for the NCAA tournament, what's an easy fade over teams, under teams. It's going to be a good discussion. I'm really looking forward to it. But after talking NBA in hour number one and college hoops for most of hour number two, I got to talk a little NFL. We have to talk about the Carson Wentz trade going to Indy, but I want to talk about Wentz in context with other QBs of his ilk. Let's talk Sam Darnold. Let's talk Tua. Let's talk Mitch Trubisky. All right. Everybody wants a new quarterback, right? Unless you have Patrick Mahomes uh, or Tom Brady in the NFL, by and large, you want an upgrade at the QB position as a fan. They always want upgrades at QB. But there aren't that many elite-level QBs. So what do you do with a Carson Wentz right now? I think, personally, <laughs> obviously, no, I'm not thinking impersonally, but I do think that Carson Wentz still has a chance. There's upside with Carson Wentz. If I'm the Colts, I'm looking at a guy under Frank Reich, was it three years ago, was an MVP candidate and was the QB for most of the season in a year where his team went to the Super Bowl. All right. Has Wentz lost it? Absolutely. Was Wentz terrible last year? He was. But in the NFL, it's so easy to point fingers. It's the quarterback's fault. It's the coach's fault. It's the quarterback's fault. It's the coach's fault. You're over and over again. The Eagles didn't stink because of Carson Wentz last year. All right. Their offensive line was in shambles from day one. Receiving core, non-existent. Defense, non-existent. Running game, non-existent. So you had a quarterback who spent the entire season getting clobbered. All right. Running for his life. Trying to make plays for a team that couldn't play defense and didn't get stops. All right. Did Wentz have some locker room issues? He did. Did he make a bunch of bad throws? Absolutely. Is he hopeless? No. In fact, of that quartet that I talked to the top, you know, teams that are looking to change their QBs, Philly with Wentz, the Jets with Darnold, Miami with all the tour rumors, the Bears with Trubisky. Wentz is the best of those bunch, of that bunch. I don't think it's necessarily close. And for Indy to get him, all right, with a good offensive line <laughs> to protect him and the coach who he had success with in the past coaching him, 
I see nothing but upside for Carson Wentz in 2021. Now, what do the Jets do? All right, Jets are the number two overall pick. All right, I like the move Indy made. Philly, I guess, I don't know if Hurts is the answer. I don't know what Philly's doing, to be honest. The Phillies, the Eagles look to me like a bottom quartile NFL team heading into 2021. So do the Jets, of course. I mean, the Jets have been a bottom quartile team for I don't even know how long. (laughs) And they continue to be. But the question is, what do you do with Sam Darnold? All right. If I'm building or trying to build a championship team, I'm going to put as many pieces as I can together before getting the QB that I want to lead that team. I want an offensive line in place. I want a defense that can get stops. I want some weapons for the QB to throw to, particularly easy weapons. I want a tight end that catches, (laughs) that can make catches. The Jets had none of that when they drafted Sam Darnold. Don't know how much of that they have right now. But... (laughs) If I'm the Jets and I have the number two pick, let's say you say, oh, number two, well, who can I get? I can get Zach Wilson. You know who Zach Wilson is? Zach Wilson is Sam Darnold from three years ago without the size. (laughs) All right. Yeah, oh, he looked good in college. You know, that doesn't make him a great NFL QB. It doesn't. Darnold has never had a season where he's had a healthy receiving core and a healthy offensive line, and he hasn't had to make plays that, you know, where where he's been healthy himself. I would give him that chance. And if I'm the Jets, you might want to trade down from the number two to pick up more draft choices. But (laughs) you're drafting to fill those spots. Get the offensive line to protect him so he's not getting clobbered. Get the weapons so he's got guys who can help him downfield. That's how you build a contender. You don't build a contender drafting QB first. If I'm the Jets, I keep Sam Darnold. And I want to talk about these rookies because everyone, oh, the rookies are so exciting. These rookies are amazing. Oh, my God. Everyone looks amazing coming out of college. (laughs) All right? That's the point. And when you say, in the NFL, the draft, you know, these guys get it right. No, they don't. They don't get it right with quarterbacks. The hottest prospect one year, Tua, the hottest prospect. Well, now Tua had a couple bad games as a rookie year in Miami. Well, we don't know about him anymore. It's like, settle down with the rookies. The veterans deserve a chance. That's my two cents when it comes to the QB carousel on cover it when we come back ralph michael joins us talking college hoops stay tuned stay on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com you're listening to a different kind of sports talk we're not just talk about sports but talk about sports you can use get the winning edge this is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. And I love this guy, my next guest. Genuinely uh, a nice human being, which I'm not. I don't know many guys that are. But Ralph Michaels is at Cal Sports LV on Twitter and a guy who is not only a nice person, but he's pretty darn good at what he does. Ralph, 
Welcome to the program. How are you doing on this Saturday? Teddy, I'm blushing. I know at least two people that like you. That would be your wife and your son. Yeah, my wife. I'll take the under on how often my wife likes me. And my son isn't a teenager yet, so he'll get there. He'll hate his dad. It's coming. Uh, but I appreciate that. Um, I want to start with your superhero origin story. And give us just a minute. Tell us what your background is, how'd you get into the business, what you're doing now, and why anyone out there in listener land should give a hoot about what you have to say about college hoops. Well, I do have an interesting story how I got into the business, and we can track it all the way back to a good friend of ours and truly one of the legends in the industry, Mark Lawrence. Mark Lawrence, of course, grew up in Cleveland and started his playbook newsletter uh, and sports service in Cleveland. And Phil Steele was printing Mark's newsletter back in the early 1980s. Phil then got involved in the business. Phil went to high school with Brian uh, Leonard. Brian Leonard and I became friends from working at Pizza Hut. And I moved back from California. Brian said, Phil started a sports service. He only wants to do football. He wants people to get involved in handicapped basketball so he could sell basketball and keep the clientele within his, uh, within his funnel. So I had moved back again from California. I said, okay, boom, my name is Cal sports. I got started into college basketball doing that. And that led to me working for Phil Steele for 15 years, ended up being the GM for North coast sports and Phil Steele publishing the last eight years. And boy, it was a thrill. I got to talk to many college coaches. For those that know Phil Steele's college football preview, uh, I, I was a voter on almost every college football award. And I'm very happy to say I was one of the 600 people in the country to have a Heisman vote. Both Phil and me personally had a Heisman vote for over seven years. And uh, Heisman is the award that I consider to be the single dumbest award in all of sports. Uh, did you at least vote for the right guy? You know, I had the winner every year except uh, Gerhard when, when I thought he should have won it. And he was second, and I thought I still voted for the right guy. So, you know what, I, I made it a lot of fun for my son. My son's friends would come over who were young college football fans. I would pretend to listen to their input. We would all get excited about voting and then, uh, you know, vote for the best player, uh, who, we, who we truly thought was the deserving award. And what I love about that story was the Pizza Hut reference. Of course, you, like anybody else, you know, late teens, early 20s, what are we going to do? We got to get a job. We got to work somewhere. The Pizza Hut to handicapping. And now you're, what, 30 years in the business or, or close to it, Ralph. It's not like uh, that transition was a difficult one for you to make. You know, uh, uh, that's where, you know, again, Brian and Phil went to school together. But Phil managed the Pizza Hut as well, and Brian worked there, and I worked at a different store, and that's how uh, we all came to meet. So, uh, you know, working that, I believe it was $3.40 an hour back then. <laughs> pizza Hut's in Cleveland from back in the day. But enough with the pizza stories, my friend. Um, let's talk about college hoops, because this is something, obviously, that you've been exceptional at in terms of your depth of knowledge. And in the intro, I hyped you as being the king of the database, someone who's able to find 
meaningful trends and angles within a whole host of data points. So let's talk about your process for college hoops. The first night of the season in college basketball, what do you do? How do you make bets? You know, Teddy, really, it starts the year before, as soon as the college season ends, when I start making power rating numbers. And I am going to preface it by saying this. In the last two years, making your own power rating numbers have changed significantly. But in college football and college basketball, basically, I would take conference by conference what a conference had returning the previous year, what they had in recruiting, what they have recruiting this year, how much they're returning. I rank them top to bottom. I start giving them a numerical value. I look at new coaches. I look at new venues. I look at teams that lost point guards. And then I would start making power rating numbers. And that was a very, very efficient way to get a season started. What's changed in the previous two years? The transfer portal. We have several teams now with zero returning starters that we used to be able to fade. And with three or four transfers, many times power five schools coming down to mid-majors have made them a powerful tool. So now it's a much deeper process. You need to be totally involved in the transfer portal. And knowing who the transfers are are as important as knowing who the returning starters are for the upcoming season. So you talked about power ratings and power ratings – for the casual better, it's kind of a scary concept. I remember my first attempt at creating power. It was my very first year in Las Vegas. And I would listen to You Can Bet On It, the Larry Grossman betting show uh, on the ESPN affiliate here in Las Vegas. And all the cappers would come on and talk about their powering number says and their powering number says and their powering number says. And I never got a good sense <laughs> of how you create these numbers. So I started, I talked to a bunch of people. How do I create my own power ratings? And they said, when you're first starting, the very first time, go to three sources. So you're not getting influenced, overly influenced by one source. Find three sources of power ratings and merge them together into your number. And that's where you're going to start from. And then you're going to adjust off of those three sets. So the first time I did it was for NFL. And lo and behold, within a month or so, I was making adjustments. I was making, I felt like my numbers were reasonable. And within a couple of years, I felt good about my numbers. It's not something that happens overnight. Tell me about your process for how you would start. If you're a handicapper out there right now, says, I want to start making power rings in college hoops with the 346 teams that you have to do it. How do you start that process? Yeah, 347 this year, 357 scheduled to play next year with maybe one more Division II school coming up. Right now, if you're starting your power ratings, you have it much easier than we did in the past. Obviously, the Internet has given people a flow of information. The two main sources I'm going to say to go to, you'd be remiss if you didn't include Bartorvik.com and KenPalm.com. You have established multi-year systems where these players follow the players, they follow the teams, the NCA uses their numbers. You also have great sites, the gold sheet. We have team rankings, we have StatFox, where you can get your power ratings. Now I will say this, it is so much more difficult to do college basketball power ratings than any other sport. 
due to the sheer volume of teams, number one, the information you can get on the teams, number two, and the strength of schedule, number three. When you're looking at the NFL and you're worried about the strength of schedule, the toughest schedule to the easiest schedule, there isn't that much of a difference in comparison to, say, college football with 130 teams and then college basketball. But to start, I basically take my year-end numbers, which now have been you know, worn over for an entire multiple seasons, and then I do plus minuses going into the next year. So I find Ralph, it's much more efficient. I'm going to cut you off real quick because we've got a break coming up right here, but I want to continue this discussion, how to make these powering numbers for the very first time. We'll do that right after this brief, brief commercial message. Stay tuned. Cover continues more with Ralph Michaels on deck. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Cover It with Teddy Covers here at Sirius XM Channel 204. That's SportsGrid. Our radio network. Before the break, Ralph Michaels was talking about the process of creating college basketball power ratings. It's not an easy process the first time, Ralph, and it is somewhat labor intensive. You talked about some of the websites you might want to look at goldsheet.com, kenpalm.com. What was the third one? Uh, I know it was a Bart, Bartorvik.com. Yeah, Bartorvik, which is another uh, long time college basketball power ratings guru. Um, Three good websites, none of which uh, (laughs) I'm directly affiliated with. Uh, But continue what you were saying prior to the break about the process of creating numbers. Well, I think you have to break it down in segments. Number one, if I'm looking to do power ratings for a college basketball season for the first time, You have 347 teams, and there's no way someone fresh is going to start ranking 347 teams without having some knowledge. So I suggest this. You break it down into conference by conference. You take last year's results. You take last year's conference-only stats, because when we're comparing conference teams, we want to compare apples to apples. Some team may play a non-conference strength of schedule of the best in the country. Some may play a very weak schedule. We talk about teams like Kansas State who play the, seems to play the sister of the poor. Their non-conference power ranking schedule is 240. So I take conference-only stats and performances. Look at points per game diff. Look at rebounds per game diff. Look at assists per game diff. Look at how those teams finished last season. Then let's put what the recruiting class was. Then let's put if they have any new coaches. Then let's put what they're returning as far as points per game, assists per game, and rebounds per game. Add in your power, add in your transfers, and then you're going to give a plus minus for each team. So if a team, example here, Cleveland State was the number 147th team. Last year they returned three starters and they recruited about 150. This year, they also have three starters. They returned about the the same level of production. Their recruiting was about the same. They have a transfer in. I'm going to give them an up arrow, and I'm going to plan on moving them up. 
Then when you have all your conferences done with your up-downs and a, and a suggested power rating number, then it's basically just slotting them one by one, taking a look. If Villanova played Kansas, who do I think is the better team on paper? And you start giving a rating. So you're always going to give a rating with a team 100% healthy, making the assumption we're going to have everyone back. But again, we know in college basketball, there's certainly times where teams are late to become eligible in December. This year, they made everyone eligible with a different year. So this year, it'll be a whole other scenario on how to make power ratings. Some teams may potentially have five returning starters and two or three transfers that are eligible to play as well. It'll be a, a set of unique problems we have for this upcoming college basketball season. So right now, when you look at like today's slate, we're talking Saturday morning. When you look at the slate right here, there's what, a hundred and something games today. Uh, when you add in the extra games, there's more than a hundred. College basketball Saturday card, how do you start breaking that down? Explain the process of how you're going to take a hundred something games and find three or five or six or eight that you think are worthy of a wager. Well, Teddy, we know that a power rating number is just a gauge. You are never going to base a play on a power rating number because it's a theoretical number you put. In college basketball, there is so much emotion involved. There's so many unique situations with his interesting travels. Teams off overtime games where starters played 40-plus minutes, all of that has to go into consideration. So I start looking at my power ratings to to give a gauge of let's say the 15 or 20 games that I think I'm going to have an edge in. Then I start looking at the scheduling spots, what those teams did. Was there an anomaly? Did they perhaps only shoot 10% from three point in their last game and lost by 30? I tend to play on those teams to bounce back the regression towards the mean. Did a team shoot extremely well where I want to fade them the next week? Does a team have revenge? And boy, I can use this entire half hour talking about revenge because it is the most overused term in sports betting. Every team playing each other in baseball, NBA, and NFL has revenge. Someone (laughs) always lost to the opponent in the last game. It has to have happened that way. In college basketball, 90% of the teams have revenge unless they're playing for the first time. So when you use the term revenge, make sure it's meaningful. Example, lone home loss revenge, a NCAA tournament knockout revenge, a conference tournament knockout revenge, perhaps losing twice as a favorite in meaningful spots. So I look for those meaningful revenge situations. And then it's a lot of reading. Teddy, you and I both attacked the, the school websites. The school websites, each of them post game notes. I use ussportspages.com. And a quick glance, it gives you about 215 sports pages where you can glance and get those sports pages with just a link. And then you're making your assessment from there. You whittle it down and you decide how many games you're going to use, which you feel are stronger with the number. You're checking the latest line moves and you're making the final determination on your play. Yeah, I mean, ussportspages.com. Google News is a powerful tool uh, when you're looking for info for any sport as well. So, how do you evaluate line moves? Do you worry, you know, do you worry about sharp square divides, consensus numbers? 
Does any of that stuff factor into your handicapping or is all of that just static that takes you away from the bigger picture of trying to find line value and trying to find teams and spots that stand out? When you become a professional better and or a handicapper doing it for a living, you know, rule number one is basically never play into a bad line. Now, that doesn't mean that if a line moves, I will not play into it. The circuit does a great job opening lines the day before in college basketball. A $500 bet will move the game a half point, sometimes a point. A $1,000 bet may move that game a point and a half. I'm not concerned at taking a number that moved from an opener if I still think there's value. If a number has been bet up, has been opened up at multiple casinos, and it's moved two or three points across the board in a period of time, I will then not play into a bad number. But as far as sharps and squares, you do have more sharps in college basketball because you have the volume of teams. Those people usually worry about specific conferences. Sports, sports books are putting out a line on all 347 games. That's the difference. A sports book has to put a number out. We have the ability to choose whether to play that number, find out where there is value. So a line move doesn't concern me. I will not play into a bad line, but if I feel there's value on a number that's available when I'm releasing the game, I'm not worried about who played it prior. I have enough confidence in my numbers that I'll release that play as I have in my mind. So sides or totals, which do you focus on? Do you focus on both? And which do you think if you were a beginning handicapper in college hoops, you would try to beat? I think sides are much more stable. Probably 80% of my plays are sides. It doesn't mean I don't have value, especially now in college basketball conference play. I think we find much more value. When Ken Palm and Bart Torvik came out with tempo numbers, you know, those numbers were no longer secrets. We know who the fastest teams are in the country. We know who the slowest teams are. We know Coppin State, Bryan, Eastern Kentucky, Citadel. They come down, they shoot the ball up in a matter of a few seconds. So with totals, your only concern is this. You have to shoot to what you normally shoot at, and you have to worry about free throws at the end of the game. If you're playing unders, if you are in a close game, we know that 12 or 14 points can easily be scored with a team fouling immediately, making a couple free throws, not playing with the same type of intense defense because they have a lead and they don't want to foul a person making a shot to give an extra basket. So, uh, yeah, a secret is this. I mean, I do often look at first half totals when I when I use unders, but clearly to me, the sides are a much more stable way to handicap for beginners or even those without looking into the depth of having to you know your uh, your average possession time on offense, your average possession time on defense, and your average all-tempo rating for the, each team. Strong information from Ralph Michaels at LV on Twitter, a legitimate college basketball expert. And Ralph, we got just a minute before the break. I want to ask you a personal question. Do you ever take a day off during the season or once college basketball starts, are you in action every day from the day it starts till the end of March Madness? In the last three years, I've taken two days off. And those were just days where I was on a bad streak. 
I had some tough breaks. I lost a few overtime games. And if that happens after one, after two, after three straight days, I just needed a mental health day to clear my head. And, you know, both times it worked. I came out of a streak refreshed, not having to handicap, not having to worry about, oh, please, this game can't lose. It's not because I'm worried about myself. My bankroll is established and I can take losses like that. It's when you have clients that you're fearful that they did not establish the bankroll prop properly. And when you get a, a multiple day losing streak, it's something I worry about in their case, not for me. When we come back with Ralph Michaels, we're going to get into the actionable information portion of the show. Ralph's going to give us teams that he likes right now, teams he wants to bet against right now. We'll look ahead to the big dance. Stay tuned. Cover it continues right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. To cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. I've been joined the last two segments by Ralph Michaels at Cal Sports LV. We've been talking process for college hoops. We've been talking theory for college hoops. We've been talking power ratings for college hoops. We've been talking breaking down the giant cards for college hoops. Now it's time for actionable information. Teams to bet on, teams to bet against, teams that offer value today, teams that won't offer value again this season. So let me start with this. I'm going to throw you a very general question. Give me a team or a coach you like or a team or a coach you dislike. Are we talking for the regular season or are we talking moving forward, thinking about perhaps March Madness? Uh, you have the liberty to talk about the regular season. Let's save March Madness. What I'm trying to do, uh, let's save March Madness for uh, a little bit later. For right now, over the, uh, here we have what, about a month, a little bit less than a month left in the regular season in college basketball. Even less than that because we've got conference tournaments. A few weeks left in the regular season for college basketball. Are there any teams or coaches that we particularly like or dislike down the stretch? of the regular season before conference tournaments begin? Well, you know, I, I thought it would be Iowa State. Iowa State was a team that, you know, started off 2-9 and nine and finally got their players back and, you know, got blown out against Kansas and made a comeback. And, you know, when you have a team circled, I'll let you know good stories and bad stories because even as pro handicappers, we may circle a team and think we're going to move forward using that team. Uh, you know, Steve Prohm said, okay, guys, we're back. We're going to finish the season strong. He's a coach I respect. We, we, we wrote off what the season started and we moved forward, but it didn't happen. So even when you circle a team, don't be afraid to jump off of them. One team that I love, and it's not that I'm a fan of the coach. It's not that I'm a fan of the team, but that's Memphis and coach Hardaway. And here's the reason why. 
Teddy, you and I both know there's a handful of coaches, let's say Rick Pitino, that when he says something and you read Iona, you're not going to believe it. He talked about coming off off his COVID break and, oh, we're not going to be able to hang with anyone, and I don't know what kind of shape we're in. Well, what happens? He played at the fastest tempo he's played all year, scored 87 <laughs> points, and after a 22 break, he won. But when you read Penny's Hardaway quotes in the Memphis Commercial Appeal, he is so honest that when his team is doing well, when his team is doing poor, when his team is making that next step. And that's what I look at when I bet for coaches like that. You know, we're looking at, um, you know, when I, when, I look at, when I look at the Mac, and again, being from Cleveland, there's a lot. Uh, you know, John Grossi from the Mac is another one. When you read the Akron Beacon Journal, he is so honest with his statements. So I don't mind when I'm looking at coaches. A good coach to me is an honest coach that communicates how his team is going to how his team is going to approach this game and an honest coach on how his team handled the results in the last game. Ball State, James Whitford is one that I, I truly believe uh, does a great job with that. So, you know, off the top of my head, those are my favorite coaches, not because of style of play, but I can gather information with the, from them. Yeah, a coach that tells the truth in a press conference is worth his weight in gold. <laughs> You know, because there's so much coach speak out there. And in the NFL, coaches, press conference, people pay attention. All right. That makes headlines. It does affect point spreads. In college hoops, when the coach gives his press conference, yeah, the beat writer's going to write it. You know, the student journalist's going to write it. But doesn't often make its way into the mainstream. So when you can find that not going to call it hidden info, but when you can find that info that's not widely and publicly available to everyone, when you dig, that's where you can find your edges. And uh, Memphis and Ball State, two coach, and, and Memphis to me, boy, I like this. <laughs> I like that team. They were making me money. I had them circled as a team to bet on. I cashed, I think, three or four bets uh, with them, and then they went on another uh, COVID break. So we'll have to see if they can yeah. find that magic again once they come back. Um, so let's talk. The right other now. important thing, Teddy, the other important yeah. thing that two coaches that I want to mention now, which were so important to were to mid-February. Pepperdine comes to mind, as does Wake Forest. Pepperdine seven and one, seven one and one against the spread. Wake Forest, a team that's only three and ten straight up, but they're nine and four ATS. An important motivational factor when we get to February and you have two losing teams playing each other. Pepperdine is so excited about getting Mark Byington as their head coach. He did. He had so much success at Georgia Southern. Wake Forest is absolutely thrilled that Steve Forbes came from East Tennessee State and is coaching there. When you have a young team that's losing with an exciting first-year head coach, those are teams I look to play on late in the year because we're not going to see those teams quit. We're going to see them continue to work on next year. And when I can compare two coaches, one, let's say, on his way out against a first-year head coach, that first-year head coach gets a triple check from me. And I've often used plays like that late in the year when you have two bad teams facing each other. That's great info, Ralph. And if you're going to – 
you can, you can, you can interrupt me anytime you want. <laughs> if you're going to give tidbits like that, look at Pepperdine and Wake Forest as teams that don't have the straight-up record but are still fighting tooth and nail with their first-year head coaches here in mid-February. So we've talked about some bet-ons. Pepperdine, Ball State, Wake, Memphis. Give me some bet-against teams. Who can we make money that right now is overvalued in the marketplace? Maybe they're not that good. Maybe they've thrown in the towel on the regular season. Uh, maybe the markets just have them priced better than they actually are. Got a bet, a bet against team or two we can talk about, Ralph? Yeah, well, unfortunately, this one cost me some money this past week. But the first I'm going to mention are the two Arizonas. You know, Arizona State's completely struggled, 3-14 and 14 against the spread. And it, even though they are so talented, they're not playing up to, the, to their level of uh, what they should be playing. Arizona, let's remember this. Arizona took a one-year probation. No Pac-12 tournament, no NCAA tournament. How much can you be motivated late in the year when you have nothing to play for like those teams? So those teams that aren't going dancing are an important term. Another team I love for two reasons. Uh, when we talk March Madness, I'm going to say one of the long shots I bet is, is Texas Tech. But I love fading Texas Tech in a big league, in a big favorites role. Chris Beard cares about winning and only winning. He doesn't care about big leads. He's a very poor ATS coach, but when we get to the big dance and you just need him to win, he's someone I am. Texas is the same this year. Texas, I've played multiple Texas Longhorn games with Shaka Smart in the first half. They absolutely come out motivated in the first half, an excellent first half record, and we've seen them struggle in the second half without those same motivations. So grabbing two teams that two people are aware on that I have marked high for March Madness, Right now, if they're in a favorites role of over seven points or more, they're my fade on teams. And you talked about first half bets right there, which is something we haven't talked about a lot. Uh, and I'm going to talk about it right here. When you're choosing, I'm going to bet this team first half versus full game. Is that based entirely on their track record? This is a team that consistently come out and get off the hot starts and then uh, take their foot off the gas pedal. Or is there other factors that you consider when you're trying to decide first half bet versus full game bet? For example, I had Arizona State earlier in the week, first half in the game at USC. I knew they had big depth concerns. I didn't trust them for 40 minutes, but I thought they were going to come to play and play hard. And they hit a couple of threes in the final minute of the first half to cover my number. And then the second half got away from them. Is that the type of thing you look for? Or what do you look for when making that decision? First half bet versus full game bet. I've played many more first halves this year, Teddy, because of the COVID layoffs. An example this week, we had a Richmond team that was on a 14-plus day COVID layoff. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at COVID layoffs, it's important to note, was your team the reason for the layoffs when you can't practice? Or was the other team the reason where you could still practice, you just didn't have any games to play? Well, Richmond was the reason. And so you now have Richmond with no practice in over two weeks. They did have two, they did have two practices prior to playing VCU. And you had a VCU team with Havoc defense 
pressing those guards. Now, Richmond has one of the best guards in the country in Gillard, but if you haven't practiced in multiple weeks, you don't have your legs to handle that press, ECU first half to me just jumped off the page. So with COVID layoffs, it's not an automatic, but if I do have a pressing team with a team that is, let's say, 200 or higher in Ken Palm rankings as far as turnovers go on the offensive side of the ball, they have been an almost automatic play for me. And look no further than uh, last weekend when Michigan came off a break, trailed, uh, came off a COVID layoff, trailed against Wisconsin at halftime, and then were the better team in the second half, which they are, which everyone's a better team in the second half <laughs> compared uh, to the Wisconsin Badgers, who've been something of a disappointment of late. Uh, Ralph, couple minutes left. And I definitely want to get into some big dance stuff here real quick, but I want to make sure I give you a chance to promote. Tell folks where you are, what you're doing, where they can find you, et cetera, et cetera. Again, at CalSportsLV on Twitter. Teddy, I appreciate that. And really, for any viewers that don't know me, I'd like to say one thing. Just go to wagertalk.com, go to the Ralph Michaels page, Download the free NBA stat sheet. Download the free college basketball stat report. Uh, check out what I do for free. That shows the value of work that I, uh, the detail and how I value the work that I do. And uh, those free downloads are available. When you go register the first time, no credit card needed. You just need your email address. I'd like you to do those that favor for me, please. Just check out those two free products. NBA stat sheet seven days a week. College basketball stat report updated Monday morning and Friday morning. At wagertalk.com. All right, Ralph, I got a minute left. Give me a sleeper in the big dance. Some team that's a long shot now that may be live to knock off against Zaga or a Baylor of the world. Well, I'm going to Texas Tech. You know, they, they lost to Virginia in, in overtime the last time. Uh, you have a guard like McClung, the Georgetown transfer. And number two, Oregon. Dana Alton is one of my favorite coaches in the world. Oregon has played one game this year with all five starters. They are now healthy. Look for Oregon to finish strong, perhaps win the Pac-12 tournament, and make a deep run into the NCAA tournament. That, my friends, is actionable information. Ralph Michaels, at CalSportsLV on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us here on Cover It This Week. Best of luck throughout the remainder of the regular season and into March, my friend. Appreciate you being here. Great time, Teddy. Thank you. When we come back, we'll do the home stretch. Stay tuned. Cover It continues. Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of coverage. Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. I want to thank my two guests today. I really thought they were both exceptional. Ralph Michaels breaking down the college basketball card again at K 
CalSportsLV on Twitter. And of course, Aaron Bruski at Aaron Bruski with an I uh, on Twitter, breaking down the NBA card. Two guys who legitimately are experts in their fields. And I want to talk about some of the teams that these guys brought up just in recap form. Ralph says, look at Pepperdine, Ball State, Wake Forest, Memphis, Oregon, all his bet on teams down the stretch. Arizona State, Arizona, Texas Tech, and Texas's chalk bet against teams down the stretch. Aaron Bruski, man, he brought up a bunch of stuff in the NBA in terms of bet ons and bet against. But the couple that stood out to me, bet against, he doesn't expect the Bucks to flip the switch. He doesn't expect the Nuggets to flip the switch. Two teams that were excellent last year that have underachieved this year. And he says you can find value with some bottom feeders. The Pistons, last place in the East. The T-Wolves, last place in the West. Both offering point spread value, even though they're not winning games. So I thought it was excellent info. I thought it was actionable information. And we did what we try to do here every week on Cover It. We want to talk some theory. We want to talk some ideas. We want to talk some of the processes behind the bets that we make. And then we want to talk the nuts and bolts, the actionable info, specific teams to look at in the days, weeks, and months to come. I hope we accomplished that. I think we did uh, on today's show. And of course, we'll thank everybody else. I want to thank you guys for listening, taking time out of your busy day to hang out with me and my guests. You can always follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. Enjoy the games all weekend long. Best of luck. We'll be back again with Cover It next Saturday as well, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Wake up early and check us out. 8 a.m. Eastern time, I should say. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Oh, 25 miles from home.